ready, friends. We are back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 599. Yes, we're just one away from the Magic 600. And we are recording on December the 13th. It's a uh, it's a good day. How are you, Abrana? I am good. It is a good day. You know, it's um, it's sunny and cold. I don't mind the cold as long as it's sunny. I will take it. And we're like almost to the holidays and Hanukkah and Christmas are at the same time this year. And just like my mom's coming this week. So I just have a lot to be excited about. I'm a, I'm a happy woman today. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah. Same here. It's sunny and cold. Um, and I, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, and you know, like it's kind of, there seems to be a lot of positivity the, the last couple of weeks, just, you know, with the holidays, but then like, even this morning I woke up and read about the, uh, announcements in the uh, U.S. scientific community about nuclear fusion achievements and crazy things about, you know, that we can look forward to. So good things to look forward to. So got to celebrate those things. Got to celebrate those. So maybe that'll even happen, you know, in our in our lifetime that we can power our homes with that. That'd be cool. Amazing. Um, but yeah, no, things are good. Uh, just kind of, you know, another week and a half or so of just, you know, business stuff and then maybe take a little bit of a break and we'll go from there but um yes yeah so we have four stories as usual um and uh, i'll let abriana start us off all right so let's start with one coming from walmart they have launched a a new website called trend getter and it's using virtual search or visual search i should say to assist in the shopping um for consumers so helping with like finding certain things on the website. So they're using the image recognition from Google's vision image recognition technology. And, you know, the shopper can, can look for this on its website and display the options and the prices. And basically the way that it works from a user flow perspective is that the consumer would go to Trendgetter website and either take a picture of the item they want and upload it, um, you know, from an image on a device, or you could probably like screenshot it my, my thinking here is this is very similar to sort of how you would do a visual search on Pinterest, right? So um, they're adding this capability. They're saying it's similar to that of, of Honey, which is the discounting app that PayPal acquired. And they have like that plugin that you can use as a um, you know Safari extension on mobile or a Chrome extension, I believe, uh, um, is offered as well, which I do use that sometimes. You know, occasionally it, it serves me well. But Trendgetter is offering that, you know, kind of similar. I've never used Honey as, as an actual visual search, which is interesting that they call that out, um, you know, in this article. But really, Trendgetter is also offering something that's similar and competitive to the virtual try-on. So what Amazon Fashion and Snapchat did, where they let customers explore and shop um, and try on all of these different types of eyewear, and different styles. Now that's also going to be available um, through Trendgetter. So, you know, I think this is a great development. As I, I uh, well, first of all, there's not really WalMarts near New York City. You'd have to go to Jersey, so it's rare that I actually go into a Walmart anymore. Um, but even when I, I'm definitely happy to order from Walmart, and occasionally I try to do that because there are some good, you know, some good bargains there and some cost-effective ways of shopping. But I find that the the mobile app specifically and their website, it just tends to be very overwhelming. It's very hard to find things on it, and it, it's like terribly difficult to narrow down from a user experience 
perspective, like what do they actually have in the store, you know, and I want to eliminate maybe like the tens of thousands of other products that they offer through their online um, service a lot of times that they can just get. So I think it's really hard. And I think this is a step in the right direction and kind of streamlining that a little bit. Um, and as I mentioned, like I use this often on Pinterest and I think it's, it's kind of hit or miss on how effective it is, but I do feel like we're seeing advancements here. And I think this is like a, you know, a great, a great thing that Walmart should be definitely doing. Um, and, and it will be helpful probably for people who are looking for something specific or something like, um, maybe a more expensive item that they, they're looking for a bargain on. So I like this, uh, this rollout. And so, um, I tend, I plan on checking this out trend getter. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like it. I, I, I'm a big proponent of visual search. Uh, I think it's, you know, uh, sort of a simple, convenient, uh, very sort of user, centric uh way to you know find things um you know I, I i guess where i hesitate a little bit on this is that you know i i would prefer that like you know there was an option where let's say the trend getter piece was built into the walmart app like into a scanner of some sort like so like just like you would you know scan a qr code and instead you you know hold your camera lens up over an object or an item and it then takes you to you know something similar or the item itself if that's what walmart carries um you know or makes recommendations from there but i get that you know it's a pure web play um and you know i think that makes sense i'm with you like i've used honey before too and uh i've never used it in a visual way like it's to me it's a plugin that you know finds you discounts on stuff um but you know that doesn't mean it, you know it 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 doesn't have good functionality from that point of view. So, but yeah, overall I like it. I think it's um, you know especially when you know this time of year when retailers are trying to you know capture that share of wallet in the holiday season, um, it makes a ton of sense to be you know trying to make people's lives that much easier and simpler. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of the holidays, uh, moving to our next story now. So we're going to jump over to. Uh, Los Angeles and Westfield, in particular, the Westfield Century City Mall. I've been to this mall a few times over the years. Um, and between now and December 24th, if you have a dog or cat, uh, you can drop by and they have a vending machine that you go up to and you answer a few questions about your pet uh, that determines, uh, you know, sort of which food or treats, you know, that might be applicable to, uh, to your particular pet, uh, based on their, uh, personality. Um, and then, uh, when you answer a few questions on the touch screen, the machine dispenses a free treat, um, a little Christmas treat, uh, for, uh, for your pet. And this includes, um, treats from, uh, some of their brands like Began, Prime, Dentalife, uh, and others, uh, the, that's for dogs. And then for cats, there's a fancy feast, savory treats or friskies party mix. Um, and it encourages you to post a photo of uh, your pet enjoying their treat on social media channels with the hashtag Purina Seasons Treatings. Very cute tagline there. Um, and I, so I like this. And the other thing I like about it is, is where it is in the mall is also close to uh, the, the holiday market that they've set up in the mall and where you can get your photos with Santa and ice skating and all that kind of stuff. So 
it's kind of like you and your kids, uh, if you have kids or just you, um, can go and kind of, you know, experience a little bit of holiday cheer and joy. Uh, and at the same time, if you have a pet, you can bring your pet and they can also uh, participate as well. So I like it. Very LA, you know, I'm assuming that pets can visit Santa too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, no, I think this is really cute. I like that they're encouraging the social interaction. I like that there's, you know, the variety of different pet foods there. Um, I mean, I'm not sure who's like bringing their cat out shopping with them. That's a new one for me, but um, <laughs> on the dogs, like <laughs> that, that's fun. Uh, yeah. So I think this is a fun campaign. It's good. I think they're hitting all the right notes and it's like, it's uh, definitely the right, the right place and the right setting to, to have something set up like this. Yeah. And, you know, it reminded me, I don't know if you remember way, way, way back when, um, I mean, we're talking early days of the LBMA, like maybe 2012, 13, I don't know, somewhere around there, but there was a, uh, a campaign in Germany with a organic pet food company called Granada. And they had set up a, a billboard like at street level, like down right at sidewalk level uh, outdoors. And you could go up to this billboard with your pet and check into the billboard on Foursquare. And then on that check-in, it would dispense food um, or treats uh, for your pet. So um, I feel like we've come full circle here with, with this now. So. Yeah, I remember, I remember that. I wonder if anybody was just like checking in over and over again and it was just like sending out all the food. That'd be funny. Just keep taking it, <laughs> package yeah. it up, take it home. <laughs> Thanks guys. All right, let's move on to our next story. Um, and this is coming from Viral Games, which is a Boston based company and, and an ad platform. And uh, they specialize in zero party data gathering and they're partnering with LiveRamp to expand the reach of their privacy safe audiences, what they're calling privacy safe audiences. Um, so Viral Gains offers these solutions and they um, intend to help marketers collect information through um, like a willing, you know, willingly, I would say, through conversational ads um, and content. And then they translate that data into what they're calling zero party audiences and voice alike audiences. So this is based on inferred data. And now LiveRamp, obviously, as a marketplace, is going to make that data available um, to everyone that they can distribute to, right? Which is a lot of the, the advertising industry. And I think, you know, we, we've continued to talk about this. We'll, we will continue to talk about this, the privacy changes uh, like Apple's app tracking transparency and Google's elimination of third-party cookies on Chrome and all the things that are making it harder to have this deterministic data um, and for advertisers to target consumers based on like behavior, digital behavior, I should say. Um, so, you know, as that's, becoming increasingly difficult. They're looking to position this partnership kind of as like their solution to these challenges. I think, you know, there, one other thing is that they're claiming that these viral gains, um, voice-alike audiences are outperforming third-party segments based on specific KPIs like brand lift, click-through rate, and on-site actions. Um, you know, I think that like anything that improves lift is great. And we see that there's, you know, any type of targeting traditionally, uh, improves Lyft and then you can continue to improve that with like, you know, different methodologies, machine learning, all of those different things that can happen. Uh, and then, you know, marketers are going to be able to use the data over 
that is like spanning over 250 million consumers. Um, so there was an article on this that was put out on Street Fight. If you have not, you know, taken a look at that yet, I encourage you, our listeners, to go take a look at that. Joseph Zappa wrote this, and I thought it was really well written. How he just calls out, you know, some of the facts that uh, you know you need to, to know about, like what's happening, what is zero party data. And in essence, you know, I would say like a summary is that zero party data maybe is a step in a privacy centric approach, but it doesn't necessarily solve all of the privacy problems, nor does it solve potentially all of the tech changes that keep happening. Um, and that there's differences, right? Like what we say we do versus what we actually do. Uh, sometimes that data is, is different, right? You might say like, I, you know, you might say at the doctor, I only have one drink a week, but you know, you might have a few cocktails on an evening with, you know, friends here and there or something. So what we say we do, what we opt in, I think tends to be different than what, you know, those actual digital interactions can prove. So, you know, I think that there's some challenges maybe in this approach. And, and I also think that, you know, from a live rent perspective that they're sort of trying to understand what their long-term relevancy is going to be because we've seen more and more advertisers moving towards relying more on their first party data, um, working directly with like a, a, you know, their DSP of choice through data clean rooms, perhaps, or some type of DMP integration. So I think that as we see more and more advancements there, there's going to be a bigger challenge for, you know, folks like LiveRamp and audience creators that are just going through those marketplaces to maintain relevance and, uh, you know, continue to have that that reach. And, um, and so, you know, this is to me interesting, but I, I, I don't see this as something that has like a lot of longevity behind it from a, from a product standpoint in the market. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I agree with most of what you said there. I, I think there, there is a place for zero party data in, in the current sort of ecosystem that we're in. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, it is a big leap between where we've been in first party and understanding people's behavior versus, you know, zero party in terms of what they say, you know, that they're doing or what their interests are. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of potential for, I think there's a lot of potential for fraud uh, in, in that type of a scenario, maybe even more so than the fraud that we had in, uh, in the first party uh, scenario, um, you know, so you know, I think there, there's definitely challenges there, um, you know, and, and I think that what we're, what we're seeing as well is, is a lot of these brands, you know, are figuring out new ways to kind of just go direct to consumer uh, and build sort of more, you know, personal relationships, um, you know, with their customers. Um, and I think the other thing too is, is like, um, you know, when, when you do that, I think um, you also have the ability to, um, you know, tap into, uh, you know, creating your own media networks, right? Like we've talked about on the show, like a lot of the big retailers, Kroger, CVS, you know, all these guys are building their own media networks uh, inside of their stores uh, and then making that available to brands as a different way to reach audiences. So um, I think you're going to have sort of a, a hybrid scenario uh, in the next little while where you've got people still doing first party, some people doing zero party, and some people kind of just opening up their own, you know, retail environments as, as, you know, ad networks. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. And our final story, uh, 
Moving into the, uh, the gas uh, retail space, Chevron has made an announcement that they're uh, with, uh, around a new rewards uh, program and payment system. Uh, so they've launched new apps for both Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Uh, and if you have a car with one of these apps uh, enabled in it, uh, then you can pay for your fuel purchase directly from your dashboard infotainment system. Uh, you can do this at uh, any Chevron or Texaco station. Um, and um, so it's, it's all about, you know, sort of making it easy for people to, um, you know, pay and not have to even, you know, go up to a machine and insert your card or tap your cards or those kinds of things. Uh, you can pay, you know, through obviously a mobile wallet that's integrated into, into your, your, your Apple Pay or your Android Pay or those types of systems, all built into your, your car dashboard system. Uh, in addition to this, there's a, uh, a new kind of rewards program as well. So the apps, you know, have the ability to search for stations, what amenities they have. You can add car washes to your transactions, you know, or other things like that. Um, and then you can you can earn points, um, you know, if there's a uh, sort of points program tied to your purchases. I know up here in, in Canada, where I am, I get a lot of my gas at a national retailer called Petro Canada. And uh, the interesting thing there is, is that, you know, I bank at the Royal Bank of Canada and um, uh, and there's a linkage between my my debit card that I use for payments today and my uh, rewards program at Petro Canada. So it's actually every time I use that card to pay, I, there's an additional three cents uh, per liter that's taken off of the, the price of what I pay for fuel um, because of that linkage between the, the programs. So I think there's, you know, we're seeing a lot of more, a lot more of these types of rewards programs and, and um, ways to sort of you know, streamline partnerships between payment platforms and uh, and retailers. So I think, I think this is kind of interesting. I, I, I love these kinds of things when it's just kind of about convenience for the consumer. Any thoughts from you? Well, what I like about this is that it's actually the, the gas station that's taking the initiative versus it being more from the car side. And so I think that when it starts, you know, from the actual retailer, then you have a, a broader experience right where it's not like okay i'm mercedes and because i have a mercedes now i can pay through my car it's like we're going to open this up potentially for you know everyone who's going to this specific gas station um, and has this capability within their vehicle so i like it from that aspect i think the adoption rate will be higher and um and i think that it's just like i i do like the convenience of it and being able to kind of have everything right there within one system is obviously good from a, a consumer standpoint but again i think we're really like at the early days of this and um you know there's still so many cars that don't have that that interface in them i mean i like i drive an older car i don't have to drive a lot so you know i'm like kind of down to the bare bones here so i would love that type of a feature but i think that having the flexibility to use that through your, you know, your in-car system as well as your phone is just like creating that those multi-touch points and, and flexible options. So I like it. There you go. Well, that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, thank you for listening and watching everyone. Uh, of course, we'll be back next week with episode 600. Yes, 600. Um, and um, yeah, if you have story ideas, uh, reach out to us. If you have feedback, we want to hear about that too. Give us some likes and some love on whatever platform you're cons uh, consuming this on. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, 
you know, if you're watching the World Cup, I don't know who you're cheering for at this point, but uh, I'm going for Morocco. So let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.